Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is a bi-weekly podcast here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, and Eric Smith. We're recording on Thursday, April 26, 2018. How's it going, Eric? Hello. Hello. It's going pretty good. Yeah, it's going pretty good over here. Um, good. You know, this weekend I got my little little event with Caleb Broig here in uh, Ann Arbor that I'm very excited about. Um, you know, I'm going to bring the baby. Wife's going to come. We're going to nice. fanboy and fangirl over him. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? What's going on? I'm good. I just um, I just got back from a weekend out in Boise, Idaho, where I am. Um, I taught yoga and talked about feminism in my book, Here We Are, to a group of teens at a teen body positivity camp. Like, it was Whoa. the coolest thing. Like, if ever I could think of, like, what would be your dream thing to do? That might be it. Um, it was very cool. So um, That sounds so great. Yeah. And it was nice, too, because I gave myself a little extra time while I was out there. And, um, you know, Boise's like, I think, 250 to 300,000 people. So not especially huge. Um, and it was nice to be able to do a bunch of things, but then also at the end of the day, be like, all right, all I want to do is go to the hotel bar with my book and order a drink and dessert. And so I did that and I'm like, this is like the best sort of vacation, you know, it's like I plowed through a bunch of books and I relaxed and, um, it was, it was good. Um, I went to rediscovered books, um, the recommendation of a number of people who are familiar with the city and picked up Arvin Amati's Down and Across and yes. like blew through half of it on the flight home. Um, on the way there, I read the cover to cover um, Honor Code by Kiersey Burkhart, which is a, a book that looks at rape culture and specifically rape culture in a private school setting. And um, so that was like a big contrast to what I was reading. And then um, I was reading also... The Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory, which is an adult romance novel. And that was the one that I was reading um, with my drink and dessert at the bar. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> is the wedding date you're reading the, these um... like, you're reading these steamy scenes. <laughs> it's like the waiter's coming up to you and like, do you need anything else? Like, nope, I'm doing great. Okay, thank you. <laughs> is The Wedding Date that book that ties into um, uh, Younger? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I have know to Google. Either. I wish I did. I know very little. In fact, that was the first like adult romance I've ever read. And, um, oh, wow. it was great. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was very, you know, I'm so used to teen romance and there's nothing wrong with teen romance, but adult romance, it's like, oh yeah, they're actually going to like do things, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just one of those moments. I was like, okay, I'm really enjoying this. And also, um, <laughs> you know, like I'm way more invested in this than I thought I would be, but in that sort of like, I'm just relaxing and enjoying my drink and my, my dinner and, you know, the world's going on around me, but like, I'm totally tuned out to, to what's going on <laughs> in the world. Cause like, I have to know, are they going to get back together? Of course they're going to get back together. Like that's the whole, the whole thing with uh, a romance, but, um, yeah, it was a nice, like cream in the middle of an Oreo sandwich of, um, YA books. So, uh, what have you, <laughs> what have you been reading? Oh, it's called the marriage vacation in, oh. uh, in that show younger. Oh yes. yeah, this isn't this isn't that. Yes, I don't know if you've watched that show, Younger, but you should. It is about publishing, and it's super. Um, what's the word? Unrealistic as, <laughs> as in terms of how publishing <laughs> is put together. Um, but I still love it so much, and I, I'll sit I, there with my wife watching it and like point out all the things that aren't real in publishing, <laughs> and she hates it. And it's, it's oh man, I have to watch it now. <laughs> Oh, it's great. It's like so like sit down and watch like 10 episodes in a day. Like, yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm putting it on my to watch list. So let's see. Um, as for me, um, well, even though you gave me that copy of Nova's uh, A Room Away from the Wolves, I haven't been able to dive into it yet. It's like sitting on my coffee table, just haunting me. <laughs> um You know, we've got a while to comes out. It comes out in like September, I think, right? Yeah. So like yeah. I feel like I wait a little bit. Oh, but I don't know. I had my little baby uh, solo for almost five days, and my brain kind of turned to mush, and it's really hard to, like, dig in and read anything when you're there's been no sleep for that long. Right, um, yeah. 
But do I go to YA jail if I bring up reading a middle grade book? Um, <laughs> See, you know, I'm not sure what's... You, I don't think you go to jail if you're like, oh, it's a middle grade book. I think you go to jail only if you're talking about it like it's a YA book. Oh, I see. Okay, good. And like, what's in YA jail? You know, I think it's like being stuck with your uncle at Thanksgiving who's like, oh, oh yeah, YA books like like Harry Potter, you know, every day. Like, I think that's <laughs> like that's vampires. what's in YA jail. Yes, yes. Oh, like them, them sparkly vampires. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, when it comes to the middle grade, uh, the middle grade book, I'm, so I'm halfway through Aisha Saeed's uh, Amal Unbound. Um, so it's her follow-up to Written in the Stars, which is like hands down one of my favorite YA novels ever. Um, came out like, uh, it was like three years ago, I think. Um, so anyway, it's, it's about this uh, young girl who has to work uh, for the ruling family of her small village's estate in Pakistan. Um, after she insults the family, um, sort of by accident, um, it, it ends up complicating her life to the extreme, you know, from how the other servants treat her and feel about her to discovering sort of these like dark secrets that the family, uh, has and, and is up to, um, it'll be on May 8th. Um, it's a, it's a quick read. Um, you know, I'm halfway through it. And when I say that, you know, I think I read like a hundred pages. Um, so you won't really have to wait long for this one. Um, but you know, in terms of books that are out that you could pick up in this little, uh, ramble of mine, pick up her debut <laughs> written in the stars. Um, paperback is super cheap these days and it is just, oof, it is just a stunning, stunning book. Yeah. I, I second that. I really enjoyed that one and I'm looking forward to, you know, I don't read a whole lot of middle grade, but I'm really excited to, to pick that one up. So should we, um, should we just dive into our sponsor and then start, yes. start going? Okay. So our first sponsor of the show is summer constellations by Alicia Savini, Savini, I want to say Savigny, but that's not it. It's Savigny from KCP Loft. When Julia's mother announces that she might be selling the family's campground to a real estate developer, Julia is crushed. How can she stand to leave her childhood home? Then Julia finds an unlikely ally, the developer's son, Nick, who wants to help her family raise the money they need to keep the campground running. Can Julia trust him to conspire against his own father? And could she ever trust him with her heart? That's the real question. This tender story reminds readers of summer's possibilities and how sometimes love is written in the stars. Hey. The book fe- <laughs> clever. That was clever. Uh, the book features a strong female protagonist. It's a summer romance with heart and depth. Readers will fall head over heels for Nick, Julia's love interest, but they will also feel for Julia as she begins to see what it will mean to grow up and leave home. The natural surroundings of the campground are fresh and appealing, from the lake to the woods to the stars. Teens who love the outdoors will be especially drawn to the story. We should talk about that sometime. Books that are set in the outdoors. Um, This this looks great. This is a me book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. It sounds really good. Um, And those who need need me to say that book again, it's Summer Constellations by Alicia Savigny uh, from KCP Loft. Oh my goodness. I worked at summer camps, like sleepaway summer camps, um, pretty much like every year of my life from when I was like 14 until I was like 25. Uh, and they're always so much fun, but there was, there's always a family there, like a family that lived on the, the giant campground. Um, you know, the, the father was like a park ranger who like maintained everything. And like, I always, I don't know, I always romanticized what their life must be like. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was, you know, there's possibility it was pretty boring, like <laughs> being in the woods, <laughs> sort of closed off from everyone. But ah, oh, it looked, it looked awesome. Um, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna order this book right now. <laughs> do it. <laughs> so do you wanna, do you wanna hop in on this one? Yeah. So this weekend is uh, Indie Bookstore Day. Um, big fan of Indie Bookstore Day. You know, running to your local indie. I mean, personally, I think Indie Bookstore Day is every day uh, for me. <laughs> I love going to uh, my new local indies here in Ann Arbor. Um, now that I live here in Michigan, I spend pretty much oh goodness a unfortunate amount of money in a store called Literati that's over here. Um, and when I was living in Richmond. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the Fountain, which is um, Maggie Stiefvater's, um like go-to store. Like you can buy signed copies of her books uh, from them only. Like she does the personalized books there. So like mm-hmm. you walk into that bookstore and like the the back of where the uh, like where the register is, like the shelves there are just like stacks and stacks and stacks of like her signed books that have been personalized that are you know set to go in the mail. Um, 
which I think is awesome. I would love to do an episode or an article on like indie bookstores that are, you know, like bolstered up by, by big name authors. Cause man, that I, I can't even imagine uh, how much business she brings them. So, uh, I thought it'd be fun, you know, um, to talk about some great indie bookstores that focus on children's books um, in honor of Indie Bookstore Day coming, even though by the time you listen to this, <laughs> it will have passed. Because, um, you know, those brave booksellers, they focus on such a, I don't know, a smaller part of the publishing market um, for the readers who I think need those books the most. Um, mm-hmm. I love you brave booksellers that do this. Um, and I thought it would be fun to talk about a couple because there are there are a lot. There are a considerable amount Um can't talk about all of them. Maybe we'll talk about some and talk about others uh, later down the line. I think, I think that might be fun. Yeah, it's um, when you brought this up to me, my first like response was, well, I've never been to one. And, and I still think that's true. I think I've been to um, the Red Balloon in St. Paul. Um, and that, that was a while ago. And I remember going and thinking it was a very cool place. Um, you're going to talk about another Twin Cities bookstore in a minute. Mm-hmm. But... Um, so when you brought this up, my first thought was like, I I moved in January to a new town and it's the first place that I've lived um, in my adult life, like outside of um, graduate school, where we actually have an indie bookstore in town. It's like three blocks from my house um, called Read Between the Lines. And it's wonderful. It's a thriving indie bookstore in, I want to say small town, Illinois, but we're like 25,000 people. So it's not super small. Um, mm-hmm. But they have a great children's and YA section, you know, for, for being a smaller indie bookstore in a smaller town, I'm really impressed with what they have on shelf and they're just, they're awesome because I, I'm one of those people that, you know, sometimes I order from the bookstores online that people don't like to talk about. Um, and, and part of it, part of it is habit because I never had an indie bookstore before and it used to be 50 miles each way to get to a really terrible Barnes and Noble. So mm. It became easy to just order online because that was literally my choice, Um, you know, because it it takes a certain amount of privilege in terms of time and money and like transportation to be able to go to a bookstore if there's not one anywhere locally. And I I say locally like 50 miles, (laughs) you know, which is not particularly local either. But um, so I got in the habit. But now that I have this bookstore, it's been a lot easier to just go on there website, see that if they have it in stock or not, and then order it. And they're always great because they get back to me in like no time. Um, I just put an order in for Isabel Quintero has a graphic novel out Ooh. that came. Yeah, it came out late last month, I believe, uh, March. And it's called Photographic. And it's a biography of a Latina photographer. And I can't remember her name off the top of my head. But um, they had emailed me back as soon as I put the request in. They're like, oh, the book's on back order. It won't be in until, you know, May 5th. Is that okay? And I was like, you know what? I've got a book or two sitting here. Like, May 5th, I can wait. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd rather I'd rather give them the 20 bucks than get it cheaper and quicker from Amazon because I don't need it right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I know that that money is going to do better in my own community. And you know, I can walk there. <laughs> and they're so nice in the store. So, um to, to bring that back to, to talking about this, it's just when you brought it up, I was like, man, my experience in indie bookstores is probably a lot different than, than yours because it's so limited. Um, like having it now, I feel so spoiled and like want to use it while I can um, because I can. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely. Oh, man. Well, we'll have to do a, an, an indie kid lit bookstore tour. Well, can, yes, can, can yes. Book Riot sponsor that? Maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> we could do live shows at all of the stores, and it can just yes. be us. Um, well, first, we'll sit and we'll talk, and then we'll go to the shelves and just talk about all the books that we've read on the shelves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I love this. Um, so circling back to my time in Richmond, um, so there's this really lovely indie kidlet store called um, BBGB um, Books. I don't know what BBGB <laughs> means. Um, I've Looked around their website, I couldn't quite find it. Um, so it's a small shop on the main strip in the uh, the Carytown district in the town, which is like this really cute. Um, it was funny. I almost compared it to like the art museum district in Philadelphia, but then I realized that it doesn't mean anything to anyone else <laughs> when I'm trying to <laughs> describe it. Um, but it's just this, you know, there's there's museums uh, not too far away. There's like a big historic street full of gigantic, um, like ancient homes. Um, and there's all these great uh, shops that just line up and down this, like, I don't know, it's probably like a 
two-mile stretch of road, boutiques and all the like. And um, it's a really small shop that's very, uh, like, when I think about, like, kid-lit stores, I think about, like, there being toys everywhere and, like, paintings and bright colors. And it's very, like, you know, um, I don't know what the right word is, but, like, you know, the, the walls are all just white. The floor's white. You know, everything's very clean and very, like, in its place. Um, so I don't know, maybe the kids are just very behaved that come in there, so they're able to keep it so nice. Um, but even though it's so little, um, they get these massive authors coming in there. Um, you know, one day my wife and I are walking up down the street and, and C.C. Bale was in there, um, who wrote that, uh, El Defo graphic novel. Mm -hmm. Um, and like just visiting the website now, like I noticed that Kwame Alexander is coming by the shop in a couple of weeks. Um, so it's... Small, but very, very mighty. Um, they have these lovely large shelves that are just packed with YA, middle grade, and other kid lit. Um, and they do uh, subscription boxes full of kid lit, which is absolutely something we need to talk about in another episode. Because yes. kid lit subscription boxes are dangerous. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a lovely shop near a bunch of ice cream. Um, if you're in Richmond uh, and in the area, I highly recommend you check it out. So two that are um, in the Chicago area, um, one, well, I've been to both of them, but neither of them are kidlit specific, but have great um, kidlit and YA-lit sections. Um, Women and Children First, which is in Andersonville in the city of Chicago, um, has a wonderful, wonderful YA selection. And it's a, it's a feminist bookstore, so all of the selections are really thoughtful with that in mind. And... The first time I went in there, I remember being really blown away that they had a huge selection of um, queer YA, and that's exactly how they labeled it in the store, so you can find it. Oh, wow. Um, it was all in one place. I thought that was the coolest thing. It's like, okay, um, not only do we acknowledge that these books matter, but like we're going to put them all in one place so you can you know look through shelves and shelves of them, and um, I just thought that was really cool. Um, so that one's in, in the city. It's just north of downtown, um, and then... Last night, in fact, I was down in Naperville, Illinois, where Anderson's Books is. And they, um, I went to Anderson's for an event once when I was in like second grade, but it wasn't at the store. It was at another facility because it was Anna Martin, um, creator of the Babysitter's Club. So she needed a space a little bit bigger than the indie bookstore could, could accommodate. And um, I was at the store for the first time last night and was really impressed with their YA selection. Like you walk in and I want to say it was like three rows of shelves and I was like, okay, this is really awesome. Um, they have a lot of stuff here, a lot of backlist stuff. And then I like turned the corner and there was a whole nother set of shelves. And I was like, man, it keeps going. I could find anything that I wanted there. I loved it. Um, I was there to see Siobhan Vivian, author of Stay Sweet, when she was on her tour and it was nice. They had a nice little space to do the event. And um, you know, now that I am Chicago area adjacent, it's a lot easier to get down there than it used to be. It's only like an hour and 15 minutes to get down there. So um, I'm really looking forward to going to more events there because it's close and super easy um, to park down there. And I've, anybody's ever been to downtown Locations like Naperville, sometimes you have to like really search for a parking spot or pay. Uh, pay parking is a thing you can not have to do. Um, there are free garages for up to three hours, which is like perfect. You're going to an event, you're going to the neat bookstore, you know, you're going to eat ice cream um, or cookie dough, whatever. Um, both those sorts of shops exist there. And then, then you head home. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> again neither neither are children specific, but have really great and thoughtfully curated um, YA and kidlit sections. You know, there is like a kid specific store in Chicago, and the name's escaping me. I'll have to talk about it another time. But like, I know it's near the train station because I've walked there before from there. And when you which, get inside, which train station? <laughs> like the big Chicago train station. Oh, okay. Okay. Um. And, like, when you walk inside, there's, like, um, just shelves and shelves and shelves of just used uh, YA and middle grade books. Oh. Um, and they do, like, uh, like writing workshops for the kids. And it's, like, a bookstore slash, like, I don't know, almost like a community center type of place. Um, I'll have to look it up later because I think you would like it a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yeah, so what else? What else? Um, oh my goodness. So I don't think you could talk about <laughs> kid-lit bookstores without bringing up uh, Wild Rumpus in Minneapolis. Uh, again, you'll go to YA Jail. Um, it's this like <laughs> beautiful, like huge bookstore that feels like a place you just want to stay in and play. Like while BBGB is like, you know, very clean and very, you know, white walls, maybe don't run around in there. This place, like they want you to run around, um, has a super warm atmosphere. Everyone is super friendly. Um, and all this might be because of all the animals that are inside. So there yes. are animals <laughs> everywhere. Um, so, so yeah, so Wild Rumpus is full of adorable critters. Um, and I don't mean just like bookstore cats, which you see in every store, or the occasional rare bookstore dog. Um, there, there are chickens that run all around all over the place. There's a, a ferret that's named Ferdinand. Um, there are doves. There's a tarantula. Um, and then my favorite, there are a bunch of chinchillas. There are these chinchillas um, in this, uh, there's like this little tunnel passageway you can duck inside and go through and look at all the books that are sort of stacked inside of there, um, where there's fish and aquariums and all the chinchillas. And it is amazing. Um, like I'm sure there are other tourist destinations to see in Minneapolis, like, I don't know, the mall of America or whatever, but uh. I think <laughs> you should maybe go to wild rumpus and skip everything else. <laughs> I I think that we should go to wild rumpus and do a live podcast and we should have part of it be a story time to the chinchillas. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel half like this podcast, would be our place. <laughs> yes. Half the podcast is just us petting all the animals. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, it is delightful. (laughs) (laughs) It is delightful. Um, What else? Um, I can name one more uh, bookstore outside Minneapolis. Um, So you sort of brought it up really quickly uh, the Red Balloon um, Mm -hmm. bookshop. Um, So this one's also in the Twin Cities. Um, It feels very unfair that these two glorious stores are so close by. Um, (laughs) Like, I'm very jealous of people that live over here. Um, This one's in St. Paul. Um, so, you know, a nice big welcoming shop with big red balloons painted on the building and a happy sign outside. Um, I feel like Catherine Locke, who wrote The Girl with the Red Balloon, should have, like, partnered with them, maybe, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that would have been really great. Um, but if you visit their Facebook page and just thumb through the photos, you could tell what, like, a warm and, like, sunny place this store is. Um, they have these giant story time book events where, like, the booksellers have puppets and, and hang out and play with the kids um, to the huge tours that come through there, um, like the Epic Reads Tour and the Fierce Reads Tours uh, go through there with uh, all the YA authors. Um, so Minneapolis residents, I kind of hate you. Um, enjoy your bookstores. <laughs> um, and, you know, if our listeners have bookstores they love, you know, yes. email us about them. We'd love to hear about them. I agree. We could, um, we could talk about more, you know, even if we haven't been there. Um, it's just like – Finding out what's out there and what people are enjoying and, like, what they're enjoying about those bookstores. So you can always let us know. So let's see. Do we want to dig into more sponsors? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, this one has a special place in your heart, I think. It, does. it is uh, sponsor two. Uh, the podcast is brought to you by Bookish Boyfriends, A Date with Darcy by Tiffany Schmidt. Uh, sponsored by Amulet Books and Imprint of Abrams. Um, boys are so much better in the books, at least according to Marilee Campbell, 15, who thinks real life chivalry is dead and there'd be nothing more romantic than having a guy woo her like the heroes in classic stories. Then she and her best friend Eliza and her younger sister. Rory transferred to Reginald R. Hero Prep, where all the boys look like they've stepped off the pages of a romance novel. And it is a truth universally acknowledged that first impressions can be deceiving. Uh, perfect for fans of Jane Austen, classic retelling, and lovers of Mr. Darcy. Now you're you're reading this one right now, right? Kelly, yeah, I'm a, I'm about halfway through it and and loving it. Um, I have like no um, I don't want to say no interest, but I've never read Jane Austen and like have no um, connections with her, her work. And I'm totally loving this despite that. I mean, I kind of have an idea of what's going on in terms of like some of the characters. Um, just because when you're a book person, like you can't not know a reference or two. Right. Um, so it's totally delightful. I love that the main character is 15. Um, and it's just like, it's, it's a clever story, uh, that book lovers will love because they'll see so many things in there. And, um, in the story right now, Marilee, the main character, is um, taking a sophomore lit class 
and they're rereading um, Romeo and Juliet and talking about how whatever perceptions you may have had about the play, you know, the first time you read it, probably aren't the whole of the play. So um, a lot of like clever stuff in there with writing and romance and um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. Nice. And you know, Tiffany Schmidt's one of those authors that like, man, she like bounces around like genre wise, like that, mm-hmm. that whole, that like once upon a crime, which is yes. a great series title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that like duology that came out like two years ago and what was that other one? Like the, the bright before Right before sunrise, yeah. Yeah, like she's she hops around a bit, and I like that she like she plays around a lot in contemporary. Um, Yeah, she's fun. I'm excited to read the uh, the bookish boyfriend's book too. And yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, and I couldn't help but notice that when I like looked up bookish boyfriends on Goodreads, it it said like uh, bookish boyfriends one. Mm -hmm. So is it a series? Are we? I think it's a duology. Oh yeah, and and you know what's a bonus is it's paperback original which is really nice because that you oh, know is always nice on the pocket and also I don't know I I prefer paperbacks in part because like I find books to be not precious items which I I know is one of those blasphemous things to say <gasps> but I know I know but um like I use and abuse my books they come with me everywhere they get shoved into places they get bent you know and it's like paperback I feel way less bad about doing that cuz you spend what 8 9 bucks on it and you're like you know what the book's going to be loved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so speaking of, next? Spe- this is this is a nice segue because I, I think Tiffany's um, Once Upon a Crime series sort of fits what we wanted to to talk about in this, yeah. this next section. Um, have you noticed, and I'm sure you have, and, and I'm sure you have before I even like set you up to, to think about it, but there's been a huge growth in thrillers in YA in the last couple of years, and it seems to be one of those trends that is not slowing down. You know, like we have seen trends come and go, but the thrillers I keep seeing coming out um, in good numbers. No, it's true. Uh, I I don't know what is... Uh... I don't know what is happening, um, but I am sort of all about it. Yeah. Um, I love YA thrillers. You know, they're uh, exciting. I, I like, uh, I feel like I didn't get a lot of them when I was in, when I was in high school and I wish I would have. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a genre nerd. Like I love learning about genres and like what distinguishes one from another. So I was like, okay, we can use the phrase YA thriller, but what does it mean? So I did some research and some found some interesting things because I'm like, okay, what defines a thriller versus suspense or what defines a thriller versus a mystery or um, what defines a thriller versus a horror. And here's, here's what I've got it's a little bit, little bit of like genre nerdiness um, to throw at you. So thriller when used with books is about the mood rather than being a specific genre. So it can apply across genres. Um, so you can have thrillers, which are mysteries or thrillers, which are horror And when you think about thrillers, which are horror, that's really interesting because horror is also more of a mood than it is a genre itself. So, Mm. like, you have, you know, thriller horror is a super, super moody book. Um, Thrillers are generally agreed to be books that bring about excitement, suspense, surprise, and anticipation uh, from the reader's perspective. They keep readers on the edge of their seat and use things like plot twists, red herrings, and cliffhangers to sort of build that tension throughout um and wikipedia you know the the best resource out there um i actually i i thought what they had to say about um thrillers would be really interesting they they note homer's the odyssey may have been one of the first examples of a thriller and then they also name things like little red riding hood the epic of gilgamesh the count of monte cristo as sort of a nice range of what a thriller can be and i was like huh that's a really interesting like way to look at it So when you think about then suspense, that's the same thing in terms of being a feeling or mood. And it's this idea of fascination mixed with apprehension and tension. So um, in the broader definition of suspense, the emotion arises when someone is unsure of what will happen in an event. Thus, suspense suspense is that combination of anticipation and anxiety dealing with the um, outcome of the future. So it's usually referring to an audience's experience. Um, A book can be a suspense thriller, which then refers to the mood of the book and then what it is the reader might take away from that book. So the word thriller is more about 
the internal look at the book, whereas suspense is more external to the reader. Um, and they work together really nicely. So then a little bit more. Like, we're getting we're getting real nerdy now. Um, yeah, no, I love this. You're so much from, better at explaining this stuff. If it was me, I'd just be like, well, you know, thrillers, they, they, <laughs> they make you uncomfortable. And that would be my but that's answer. But that's right. I mean, that's right. Um, I, I looked this stuff up, you know, before digging into it. So, like, I don't know it. This is just stuff that I'm reading and, like, learned and thought was cool. So... Um, I'll link to I'll link to some of these sources because they're fascinating. And this particular one, um, this is from MysteryNet.com, and the note I had in here, it's totally worth reading this whole article um, if you're a genre lover. Um, it talks about the differences between mystery and thriller, and it says that a suspense thriller has been loosely defined as a story in which the audience is waiting for something significant to happen. The protagonist's job is to prevent the speeding bus from exploding, or the aliens from eating the crow. The reader experiences a vicarious thrill by identifying with the hero and the danger he faces, becoming a participant in the story and the chase itself. So in the thriller, you're really in the um, main character's point of view, like experiencing everything right along with them and feeling that tension and that anxiety um, as the character does. Whereas a mystery, on the other hand, is a novel of revelation with action more mental than physical. So a significant event can happen, something like a murder, and the protagonist's job is to discover who committed the crime and why. So the dilemma for somebody who writes mysteries is to um, keep the details of the villain and the crime unidentified so that the protagonist can figure out the who done it. Um, again, these are these are like generalized ideas, but I feel like that gives a good idea of the sense of difference in a thriller and a mystery. Um, and of course, those two things can, you know, cross over with one another and and b- build upon one another. But I think that was a really cool way to look at it. Um, so, so you had mentioned about wondering where the trend had kind of come because growing up, I, you know, growing up, I don't remember a whole lot either. Um, I feel like I read a lot of Lois Duncan, but they had been out for a while. Um, and Carolyn B. Cooney, she was another one I read all, probably all of her books when I was growing up. Um, so right now I'm listening to the audiobook of an adult title called The View from Flyover Country, which is a series of essays by Sarah Ken- Kenzor, um, which is a really fascinating book. It, it takes on a bunch of different like social social and cultural things, but she said something in there that really got me thinking about thrillers. And she said um, in an article called More in the Fall of the Mall, which I'll link to in the show notes, she talks about how Gone Girl, which came out in 2012, I believe, um, she calls it the great book of the recession. And that um, it's a really good example of the pull away from consumerism and mall culture. And I think when you think about that, it makes a lot of sense why we're seeing that in YA so much now. When you think about, like, what teen culture is like now, growing up, like, the mall was where we went. Um, mall is what we did, you know, like, we hung out at the mall. Um, and now, like, that we live in a culture where malls are sort of disappearing, by sort of, I mean, are disappearing, um, it's a very different take of consumerism and and shopping culture and just like hangout culture is different for teens today. Yeah, it is, and it, it's something I've noticed. Like you know, actually going to the mall because um, yeah, we, my wife and I have the new baby, so mm-hmm. sometimes when we try to think of something to do, it's like, well, maybe we can go walk around the mall with the baby yeah. in the stroller. So we'll <laughs> do that. Um, but I don't see all the teenagers, you know, yeah. rampaging around the wall like I used to, and you know, I. I actually tried to go in a hot topic uh, to look for like, uh, like punk rock uh, vinyls, um, and I had to leave immediately. I had to leave, I had to get, I had to get out of there. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, that's really interesting. The the idea of the mall culture and everything fading, and how that's affecting the books and making these, you know, thrillers come to mind. Um, like the idea that the adult market. You know, is trickling down into mm-hmm. YA that way. Um, like, Gone Girl isn't made for teenagers, but were they reading it? Of or course. Is it, yeah. Yeah. Or uh, is it the adults who read YA that are buying the YA for teens, looking yeah. for something that feels like it was, you know, popular, like they like they had been reading? Um, 
I don't know, it makes my brain hurt a lot. And, like, you definitely saw the trend in the adult market when it came to naming the books. You know, like, mm-hmm. The Girl in Cabin 10, The Girl Before, The Good Girl, you know, yep. The Girl Girl, you know, it's just, like, again and again and <laughs> again. Um, so, I don't know, like, I was trying to think of, like, a popular YA thriller that came out, like, right after Gone Girl. And I, ke- I kept thinking about, like, We Were Liars, which isn't really a thriller, but it has that whole twisted family mystery uh-huh. kind of thing going on. Um I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, the big YA thrillers in, like, 2013, 2014. I feel like that's a really good one um, to bring up because it was angled as for fans of Gone Girl. And I think it was less so for the thriller aspect and more for the, like, really messed up family aspect. And I think, too, they were really going for that adult reading audience for YA with that one and and selling it that way. Um, Because that that one got a ton. Yeah, that one got a ton of um, push behind it. The one thing that I've been sort of chewing on with this, and um, I'm curious what you think about it, there's sort of a lack of authors of color writing thrillers, or seeing, I I should say, that we're seeing um, as frequently as um, other authors. And as I was like brainstorming what books stood out to me as good thrillers to talk about, I could come up with... Sherielle Smith's Pasadena, Pasadena, um, which is about a girl whose best friend is found dead in a pool. No one really knows what happens, but they have a lot of theories. And Jude goes out um, and sort of uncovers a lot of skeletons in the closet as she figures out, like, what really happened to her friend. Um, I thought, too, of Melinda Lowe's A Line in the Dark. I wonder, I I almost would put that more mystery than thriller, though I can see some readers um, finding it to fit that thriller idea. And, and that's what I really love about thinking about genre is if thriller is a mood, then it's really more defined by the reader than it is, you know, conventional genre ideas. Um, so what might not be a thriller to me could be a thriller to you. It could be a thriller to, you know, the 14 year old reader um, picking the book up off the shelf. Yeah, that's um, true. And then the other author I thought of immediately, Stephanie Keen, and we've talked about her books before, but I think all of hers sort of fit that thriller category as well. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, um, and yeah, no, this is a great question. Um, you know, like after you brought it up, I was, I was trying to kick around some of my favorites and like, you know, like Lamar Giles is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. like he wrote fake ID endangered. Um, he has an Edgar award nomination. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think he has, maybe he has two. I don't know. I know he definitely has one. Um, and there's Diana Rodriguez Wallach. Um, she has a YA series with entangled called proof of lies. That's, that's, you know, a bit of a thriller. Um, and Tiffany Schmidt? No, not Tiffany Schmidt. Tiffany, um... Oh, no. She wrote Tiffany, Allegedly. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Tiffany Jackson? Tiffany Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, like, you know, Allegedly could be yeah, considered a I thriller. So. You know, I've seen it pop up. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to name too many, which which bums me out. I, I'm, I'm... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if there's anything to that or if it's just, um... We haven't seen them as frequently, um... You know, it's it's hard to say um, if there's any particular reason or it's just like we just haven't seen a whole lot yet. Um, so so one thing I think about when I think about thrillers is um, I read a lot more than I think I do, at least in terms of like what the Internet categorizes as thriller. And um, just simply as somebody who reads as much as I do and I'm familiar with how storytelling works, I'm rarely surprised by thrillers and like what's going to happen or the whodunit or the twist. Um, and, and a lot of times I'm, I'm able to guess it in like page 10, right? What's like, what's <laughs> going to happen, how it's going to turn. But, um, I, I still like reading them that way. I still love seeing what makes them so good and what makes them so, you know, binge worthy, like why people love them so much. Um, you know, my experience as an adult reading thrillers for teens is going to be way different than a 14 year old picking it up for the first time. And, um, just simply by having read less, not that they're any less intelligent or capable of understanding the story. It's just a matter of, you know, I've got twice, more than twice, <laughs> twice a lifetime of time to read books and sort of see these, these things play out. Um, but I'd mentioned this, I grew up loving Lois Duncan, and she was very much a suspense thriller um, author. And I feel like there was a whole generation of books um, around the time she was publishing, too, sort of doing the things we're seeing now um, for teen audiences. Um, 
And I put here too, like I was curious what her inspirations were, like where she started publishing um, her thrillers and like what inspired them. You know, if we if we look now and think like culturally, there's a big movement of them and they've done very well. Um, what was going on at that time? And then sort of as an aside to this, um, just because I think this is fascinating and horrific, um, Lois Duncan's daughter was um, killed tragically when she was, I believe she was 18. And um, Duncan wrote about it. She wrote a book about it. And she sort of became um, a secondary like investigator to this because the case itself was never solved and she wasn't happy with how the investigation went. So um, when she died in 2016, there still wasn't any closure. She still hadn't sort of gotten um, an answer to what was going on. And I would just encourage anyone who's fascinated with suspense or anyone who's just fascinated with true crime to um, check out her book. I can't remember the name of it. It's a, it's her memoir um, about her daughter. And there's also an episode of Unsolved Mysteries that is um, dedicated to what happened to her daughter and the, and the mystery surrounding it. And that's on, if you have Amazon Prime, it's, it's available on there. So that sentence just breaks my heart, like hearing that it's on Unsolved Mysteries, you know, like mm-hmm. it's unsolved. Like that's just, oh, that's so awful. I had no idea about this story. I'm going to have to uh, read up on it. Yeah, I had sort of forgot, like I knew in the back of my head and sort of forgotten about it. And then um, my husband and I were watching Unsolved Mysteries because it just came out on streaming, you know, however, a year ago or something. And it's like, we sat down and started watching all of them. And I heard the name Lois and I heard her daughter's name. I was like, oh, I know this woman, you know, like I know her from YA. Like, I don't know her personally, Um, (laughs) but I know her story. And it's like, oh, yeah, I remember learning all this um, at one point, but I just sort of forgotten about it. And um you know, revisiting that was really um, not enjoyable, but like gave me a lot to chew on, especially in terms of like thrillers and what we're seeing now. Um, should we talk about some some books? Yes, please. You have some newer ones on here too that I haven't heard of. So, yeah. do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. I've definitely talked about our buddy Caleb way too much, so I'm <laughs> going to dig uh, into another one. Um, although, please look up Last Scene Leaving and <laughs> White Rabbit, which uh, White Rabbit just came out. Um, so one thriller that I, that I love a lot, um, you have some great ones here, but I love um, The Girl Who Fell by Shen M. Parker. Um, I might have talked about this one before, too, but it's this, like... It's like this slow burn, like Lifetime-esque, and I mean that as a compliment, like mm-hmm. YA novel about a teen who falls in love with a boy that is that is like clearly like sort of stalking her. Um, like he randomly shows up at things. He shows up at presents that like there's no reason sh- he should know why she wanted this particular thing. Um, he starts to become like super uh, possessive over mm-hmm. all these different things and. It's a case where, like, you as the reader, like, see all this stuff going on and you just want to be like, oh, honey, please get out of this. You know, you need to get you need to run away. What are you doing? Uh, And like even her friends around, like, sort of have an idea that this is this is all really bad. Um, And it's just great. It's like this great, uncomfortable book about like a toxic relationship that like you see unspooling. Um, and getting progressively more dangerous. Um, that's where like the thrills and the the I don't know the the horror of it all come into play. Um, but there's nothing you can do about it. You know, like she's not going to listen to you because you're the reader, um, and she's certainly not listening to her friends. Um, yeah, I think it's great. Um, really underrated. So one I picked up, I picked this up yesterday at Anderson's because it had a really cool cover that caught my eye. Um, was Window by Amelia Brunskill, and I know it just came out. Um, so I haven't read it yet, but it's about two very different twin sisters. So one is sort of introverted and quiet and socially reserved. The other sister is outgoing and athletic. And um, when the athletic, outgoing sister falls to her death while sneaking out of her bedroom window, Jess, the quieter sister, realizes that there may be more to the twin sister that she never knew. And it just sounded so great. It's a twin story. It's got a great cover. Like, uh, everything sounded like it would work. So I'm really looking forward to picking that one up. Yeah, no, I'm going to have to check that one out. (laughs) Great recommendations. Um, What else? What else can I 
talk about? Why don't you dig into another one? You have some great ones in here. Sure. Um, one I read that I really enjoyed, like, that I didn't see some of the twists coming was a couple of years ago. It's called Damage Done by Amanda Panich. And it's a story about a girl and her family who have to take on new identities in a new town because um, the girl's twin brother, Ryan, had shot and killed a bunch of classmates in the band room at their old school. So it's about Lucy slash Julia because she has that dual identity thing going on. Um, learning how to survive after that and also deal with the traumatic amnesia from just this horrific experience. And um, it's like one of those thrillers, you know, not again, as somebody who's not super surprised by what the outcomes were, this was one that like had me from page one and kept me going. And um, Panich, I know, has another book out, Never Missing, Never Found, I believe. And I haven't read it yet, but I keep meaning to because I love that first one so much. Nice. I'll check, I'll check that one out. I've definitely seen the cover. Mm. Um, I just haven't read that book. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Allegedly by Tiffany Jackson since we brought her up earlier. Um, I love the reason that the title is Allegedly because it's uh, allegedly the main character <laughs> has uh, killed a baby. So it's this very dark book um, about this teen girl who um, you know goes to jail um, and has to, you know, sort of survive navigating uh, the group home life um, while you're, you know, trying to figure out, like, did she really do it? What is really going on? Um, Who's this uh, guy that sort of floated into her life? Um, It's it's dark. And it's definitely one of those books that, like, (laughs) I know, Kelly, you're talking about things you don't see coming. Uh, It's one of those books that you don't see things coming. Yeah, I agree. Uh, And it's it's intense. You know, it's definitely not one of those books to... um, I don't know if you're having a hard day, pick it up. Uh, it's 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 sort of a book that um, you need to be really ready for. Yeah, I I really like that one. Um, mm-hmm. Again, another one that sort of kept me going the whole time because I didn't know what was going on or what was going to happen. Um, yeah, I'm excited for her next book. That Monday's not coming with that like bright red yeah. cover. It was good. Um, I read it. it oh, was you read good. it? It's it's very different, but um, has some of the elements that readers who loved allegedly will will really appreciate. Um, Less thriller, more mystery. As if I speak in genre expertise now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The next one I'm going to talk about is one that's not out yet. It's coming out in September, and it's called Sadie by Courtney Summers. Uh, The book will definitely appeal to readers who like serial-like podcasts, and that'll that'll make sense in a second. Um, I feel like you hear that quite a bit, especially for thrillers and and mysteries, you know, like comparing them to these really popular podcasts is easy. But this one, um, the book follows a girl named Sadie who is out to get revenge justice for the man who killed her little sister. So Sadie has gone, quote, unquote, missing from home. And um, it's her going to take care of business, if you will. Um, but the framing of the greater story is actually a podcast Um Hosted by a nam- man named West McRae, who hears the story about Sadie going missing and becomes obsessed with finding her, um, even though she might not want to be found. So it's it's told in these two perspectives. You have the podcast sort of telling me like what we know now, um, you know, which is always steps behind the now, which is what Sadie's doing, how she's going to find the guy who killed her sister, and like the sort of um, pieces she needs to put together for herself. Um, and she doesn't even know that this podcast is going on. That's telling her story. It's a really fascinating look at, yeah, it's a really fascinating look at how we tell stories about people and how we sort of, um, frame their lives and their experiences as entertainment versus sort of like the reality of what's going on. Um, it's really, it's a really smart book and that's out. I think the first week in September, Oh, man. Well, you know, I shouldn't be that surprised. It is Courtney Summers. I still need to read her zombie book, though. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? Let me see. Um, so this is one I haven't read yet. I just noticed it sitting on my bookshelf, and I thought I would uh, bring it up. Uh, maybe you've read it. I don't know. It's that Suicide Notes from Beautiful Girls by Lynn I have not read it, no. Yeah, it has this, like, super iconic-looking cover with these matches that are Mm -hmm. burnt out. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it's a, a book about a, a girl named June who is uh, trying to figure out what really happened to her friend Delia. Um, you know, it's it's the rumor and, and what everyone is going by is that Delia uh, killed herself in her stepfather's shed, lighting it on fire um, in what is you know, a very horrible uh, sounding death. And uh, it's a year later and she is convinced that that is not how things went. And she's on a quest to uh, unravel the truth behind it. She thinks she was murdered. Um, and yeah, it's not one I've read, but it is sitting on my shelf and it is supposedly really great. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I thought I'd bring it up since it's a, a popular one in the genre there. Yeah, it's another one that um, I saw so much good stuff about it when it came out and then I haven't gotten to it yet. Um, but I definitely want to. The um, the last one I'll talk about is is a little bit. Um, I find the publication history of this book just as fascinating as the book itself. The book was great, um, and it's called "As Red as Blood" by Salas Samuka. And when it came out, it was compared to the girl with the dragon tattoo, and it was it was one of those comparisons where I was like, mm-hmm, sure, you know, like I hear that a lot, <laughs> and you know, having having gotten through the girl with the dragon tattoo books, which if you haven't read, they're super boring, um, like. All this unnecessary minute detail in there. Um, but it has a great female main character. And anyway, so um, the comparison to As Red as Blood, I thought, was super fair. Um, it was actually a really good comp for the girl with the dragon tattoo. Um, it's a Nordic noir book, so you know where it's sort of set. Um, and, and I'll just read the description and then step back to the publication history about why I'm reading the description. So the description is Lumicki Anderson has made it a rule to stay out of things that do not involve her. She knows all too well that trouble comes to those who stick their nose where it doesn't belong. But Lumicki's rule is to put is put to the test when she uncovers thousands of washed Euro notes hung to dry in her school's dark room and three of her classmates with blood on their hands. Literally. A web of lies and deception now has Lumicki on the run from those determined to get the money back, no matter the cost. So this is actually a trilogy, and it was the first books were published via Amazon's YA imprint. I can't remember the name of it. And I found the first copy at my local library, and I was like, wow. Um, I was sort of surprised because they hadn't had other Amazon titles before. And this one I knew had, like, had gotten a ton of money um, from selling rights across the world. Um that's boring insider speech for it was going to be published in a lot of places. Anyway, I could never find the second book ever. Um, I know it was published, but like couldn't find it anywhere. Um, so I only read the first book and I remember loving it and wanting to read the next one. So I never found it, never found it, never found it. Well, last year, two years ago, I guess now um, at the tail end of 2016, one of the big publishers, I want to say Crown, but that might not be correct. Um, published it again in the US, but only published the first book. So hmm. I don't know, I don't know whatever happened to the rest of that series. Um, and it's it's been so long now that if I want to read the rest of the series, wherever it is, I have to go back and read the first one. But then you're like, well, do you read the one that came out through Amazon? Do you read the one that came out through um, the other publisher? I don't know. Um, which is a long story to say, like the publication of this one is just as fascinating as the book itself. Um, because, like, there's, there's a lot of questions. I've got a lot of questions <laughs> about it. So, um, but if you can track it down, it's excellent. Um, and that's As Red as Blood by Sala Samuka. And it's in translation from, I want to say Finnish. Um, that might not be correct. But it's it's sort of that same, like, Scandinavian um, noir, you know, girl with the dragon tattoo feel to it. Nice. I'll have to look that one up. Are we going to talk about Megan Abbott? Oh, yes. Should. Yes. <laughs> like looking at my notes I was like oh yeah we can't not talk about that um basically I just wanted to say I want Megan Abbott to write an honest to goodness YA book um her adult thrillers are awesome I love them I love that she um uses teen protagonists and well she has in the last few um, not all of them are are thrillers but the most recent ones have been and they've had teen main characters and they've been so good they have great crossover appeal and um, honestly, I just want to see her do go all out with YA and, you know, like really amp up the melodrama of, of her book to, to reach that like YA audience. No, I agree so much. Like the fever, like I love the fever. 
Um, mm-hmm. I actually got into her books thinking they were YA. Like I picked up the Fever thinking it was a YA book. Um, and you know, whenever I think about the book, I think about that Catherine Howe novel, uh, Conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like those books are so close story wise and tackled such similar things. Um, uh, but one's an adult book with teens and the other is a YA book about teens. Um, yeah, no, she's great. Um, yeah. I actually ran into her at the Virginia Festival of the Book, and it was one of the most embarrassing, <laughs> like, fanboy type of things ever, because, like, I was, like, walking to one of my events to go talk at, like, this school, uh, and I saw her, like, loading up her car, uh, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Megan Abbott. Should I say hi? What do I do? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, like, I just kind of, like, walked over there, and I was like, hey, I'm sorry. This is super weird, but you were great. <laughs> Uh, and I know you're leaving, but I just need to tell you you're great. Uh, and then I just walked away and I like vague <laughs> tweeted about it. Like I just embarrassed myself saying hi to Megan Abbott and she saw it oh. uh, and she was very nice. And she was like, oh no, I didn't think you were weird, but oh. I think, I, I think I was weird because <laughs> she was just trying to pack up her car and leave. And here I come, you know, in tears. So yeah, her books are great. <laughs> All right, that's my favorite embarrassing fanboy story of yours so far on the podcast. I love it's good. That. I like that every episode of our podcast is like YA confessional. Like, it's, it's good. <laughs> that was it's, a good one. That was a me. really good one. <laughs> um, since we didn't get to talk about as many inclusive books with thrillers um, as I think both of us would have preferred to, uh, we thought we would end the show talking about a very specific um demographic. And um, for those who might not be aware, May is considered Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So we thought, why not end the show talking about a bunch of awesome YA books by Asian American authors? Do you want to start? Yes, I love that so much. Um, Yeah, so I'll start with one um, that I think is uh, super underrated, and I want more people to read her books. Uh, It's Lydia Kang. Um, I love her control duology. You know, superpowers, got the outcast teenagers, got those fancy nightclubs. It's just like lush sci-fi future um, that, you know, is just so impossible uh, to put down. Um, She also had a really great smaller book come out last year called The November Girl, um, where out on a, I think it's Lake, oh shoot, what lake is it? It's one of the great lakes. Isn't it Superior? I I think it's Superior, because I think we talked about that before. Yeah, yeah, it's on Lake Superior, and a girl is like the, the physical like manifestation of like a storm and she's just violence personified and comes across a, a boy who's basically been abused his whole life. And like, you know, it's like a girl that is supposed to be violence, uh, and a boy that is a victim of violence coming together. And it's just this beautiful mashing of contemporary and fantasy. Um, I love her books. Um, she's Korean American and writes amazing stories and you should look for her. So another Korean American whose stories, um, she's got three books and I adore each of them for very different reasons, is Maureen Gu. Her third book comes out May 8th and it's called The Way You Make Me Feel and that's the one I'm going to talk about. Um, It follows a girl named Clara who is sort of a prankster and she loves being the center of attention when it comes to like being a distraction. Like she really likes that. when I was growing up, they always called it being squirrely, which I thought was like the funniest description. But like that's that's a perfect description for it. You know, like nothing nothing terrible, just like, you know, just pushing the boundaries, if you will. And um, her dad, who owns a food truck, decides that she needs to take a job at his food truck for the summer. And oh, yeah, she is going to be um, working alongside this girl named Rose that she goes to school with who is uptight and that she cannot stand. So it's it's a book about food trucks. It's a book about friendships, about perceptions of other people. And it's about romance. It's swoony. Um, there's a really fabulous father-daughter relationship in this one. And um, Maureen's most recent one before this book, um, oh man, I'm blanking on the title now. Something about love. Um <laughs> I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, was another one that had a great father daughter relationship. Um, 
Anyway, this this one, like all of her other books, is also really funny. Um, the first pages, when you get to know Clara and sort of how she behaves, are just it's hard not to laugh out loud. And, um, you know, it's got all the ingredients of, like, a great read that's just going to, like, make you walk away feeling all the, the, the good, like, heart swoony feels inside. So um, if, you, if you haven't read her books, like, fix that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know her new book was about a food. Now I'm going to pick that up. Uh, it's been like a wish list item in my agent life to get like a food truck YA novel, and looks like it exists. So good, <laughs> I'm going to read it. <laughs> uh, let's see, what, who else for me? Uh, so Cindy Pond is another author I would love to talk about. I've definitely talked about Want to Death, and I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm going to do it again. So it takes place in a, a sci-fi dystopia where everyone wears these exosuits, and everyone's dying from the populate from the pollution being so bad. Um, well, the rich people aren't dying. The rich people are fine. They have those suits, um, and they're running around, you know, breathing the filtered air from the suits that they are able to afford. The poor people, unfortunately, uh, cannot afford such luxuries and are uh, dying on the streets from both pollution and a sort of weird unknown disease that seems to be affecting the uh, the poor people. Um, so it focuses on a teen and his ragtag group of friends who are trying to bring down uh, the the technology and the people controlling it all from the inside and it's just it's just great I've talked about it a lot on here uh, and everyone should be reading it as well as her other books like Silver Phoenix uh, which is a, a wonderful um, oh goodness when that that book came out like ten years ago uh, yeah. novel that everyone should be picking up my next pick is Rin Chupeco she's Filipina. And she wrote the Girl from the Well series and the Bone Witch series, which I know the second book in that series just came out. Um, I was going to talk about the Girl from the Well, which is um, it's a take on the um, Okiku story. For anybody who's familiar with um, Japanese horror at all, will be familiar with that. Or if, if that's sort of um, unfamiliar to you, think The Ring, the movie The Ring. Um, it's a take on that story, and it's dark, and it's horror, and it's... Ugh. It's one of those books that, like, gives you sort of the creeps and the chills at the same time, and um, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, I'm a big fan of, like, Japanese horror style and a big fan of the Okiku mythology, so um, this one was just, like, right up my alley and perfect. Um in a way that's like eerie and haunting and also just uh, a lot of fun. I mean, I find horror to be fun, so I found this to be a great fun, fun <laughs> one. Nice. Um, so I'll talk about uh, American Panda by Gloria Chow. Um, I love this book. It's so funny. Um, there's a – I mean – if you go and you look up her Twitter account, there's a there's a great like sort of uh, webcomic that someone did for her that I feel like – encapsulates the whole book really well. Uh, but it's this, this really great story about a, a teen who's off to college, um, who's a young uh, girl at college that skipped the grade and goes mm-hmm. off to MIT, who is like wrestling with her parents' expectations um, and kind of just wants to be herself. Um, they want her to be a doctor. Um, they have all these sort of you know, lofty goals for her. Um, but, you know, it's going to be kind of hard to be a doctor when you're, like, a germaphobe and, like, you don't want uh, any of these things. Um, so it's going to be pretty hard. It's going to be a, a bit of a struggle. So it's this really funny, um, you know, coming of age later in your teen life sort of book. Um, and for readers that really want to read YA about teens uh, in college, um, I feel like this is a perfect one because she's still young enough to feel like a teenager but you know at that sort of older stage in her life um i love it it's funny charming uh and she has more books coming out and i'm very excited so my next one is a long running ya author um that i don't she she hasn't put out a new book in a little while so um readers who are newer readers may not be familiar with her work but will get to be familiar with her work if they uh start with the backlist or, or stumble upon her, her next book coming out in July. Um, and that's Justina Chen. She's Taiwanese American. And, um, her next book comes out this year. It's called lovely, dark and deep. But the one I wanted to talk about is North of beautiful, which came out, I want to say almost 10 years ago as well. Um, it came out at the same time as an Alyssa Noel book that had the same exact cover. So if you look up North of Beautiful, you'll be like, oh, that cover's really familiar. It's because it was on another book at the same time. Um, a very different book. But uh, North of Beautiful is about a girl named Tara who 
She's really beautiful, and she has some distinguishing features about her. She's really tall, but one of the most distinguishing ones is she has a port wine stain on her face, and um, she has this dream of getting out of her small town in the Northwest United States and going to a college out on the East Coast, but she has a father who's super controlling and that that dream might not happen. Um, but then by accident, and that that's a purposeful choice of words there, um, she meets this boy named Jacob who is a quirky goth boy, and when their lives intersect, her life may never be the same. Um, it's, it's a more literary novel and one that earned so many acclaim claims and strong reviews when it came out, and I think it's one that probably still holds up really well and would be a good introduction to the sort of work that um, Chen writes. Mm, nice. Oh, man, you're giving me so many... Uh, that's a problem <laughs> with this podcast. I, I end up having so many more things to read. <laughs> um, so I guess for my last one, I want to bring up Forest of a Thousand Lanterns by Julie Dow. Um, so it's an East Asian reimagining of the evil queen legend, um, a.k.a. A, the bad queen in Snow White. Yeah, um, It's really fun. <laughs> yes. It's really fun, really dark, um, and just the writing is just so beautiful. And the uh, the sequel comes out... I'm not quite sure. Soon. I know I've seen the cover. It's like this bright red cover that like is going to contrast so well with the other book on the shelf. I can't wait to have them next to each other. Ooh, I need to read that one still. Um, and I am debating like, which one do I want to talk about? Cause I wrote a few down, but I think I'll, I'll, I'll end with, with someone who um, is doing something a little bit different. And that's Jen Wang. She's Chinese American. Um, I just picked up her graphic novel that she just put out called The Prince and the Dressmaker. Uh, just got it from the library, so I haven't read it yet, but it has had so many great reviews and raves about it that I'm looking forward to it. Um, but I came to know her work because she's the artist behind Cory Doctorow's graphic novel In Real Life. So um, that was sort of my introduction to her art, and I'm really fascinated to see her art play then with her writing in this this next book. So with In Real Life, a um, little after a while, a little after the book came out, Jen put a bunch of the original drawings that she did for the book um, that got scanned and made into the book on her website for sale. Um, and maybe back when I, you know, wasn't a literary <laughs> agent and had a job that paid money, I bought one of them. So I have Aww. one of the original drawings from the book uh, hanging in my in my little office. I am a big fan. I like her quite a bit. I feel like that's the perfect like bow tie to this this podcast. You know, we we yes. sort of talked about you know your fanboy confessions, and that's sort of like a great like you know perfect way to round this out. So um, I will when I put together the show notes, I'll throw the other authors that I put down for this segment into the. Um, bottom of the notes so readers who want even more um, can find more. And we've got a couple of great posts on um, Asian American YA authors and Asian American YA characters that people on Book Riot have written. I'll throw those links in as well. So readers can have a nice huge reading list to, to pick through and make their way through. But thank you everybody for tuning in this week. Uh, if you have any yes. feedback on the show, go ahead and leave it on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. And when you do that, you help other people find our podcast as well. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and Instagram as Veronica Kelly Mars. And you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye.